Nolan Investigations. I run that Boston-based detective agency that my dad started many years ago. Now that dad is retired, it's up to me, and my mom Gladys, to keep this place in the black. I've seen a lot of strange things in my time here, and I never know what the next knock on the office door is going to bring. I'm Jim Nolan, Private Eye. Misfits Audio is proud to present Jim Nolan, Private Eye. Episode 16 is entitled The Death of Anderson Buckwald. Sure, you want me to do this, Jim? Absolutely, Helen. After all, you went to secretarial school. Oh, that was years ago. And you worked as a legal secretary. Right, but I haven't done anything like this since before the kids were born. Oh, I'd hate to mess things up on you. Don't you worry. I wouldn't have asked you to take Mom's place for a while unless I was sure you were up to it. <laughs> you remember how to type? I bet I'm kind of rusty. You have to be better at it than I am. If I ever broke this finger, I couldn't type at all. <laughs> you wanted to show me how to work the telephone. Oh yeah, it's very simple. We have two lines. Whenever a call comes in, the phone will ring, and one of these two lights will flash. Gotcha. Pick up the receiver, press the flashing button, and talk to the person on the other end of the line. What should I say? Mom usually says something like, no one investigations, may I help you? Okay. You don't have to say exactly that. As long as the caller knows he's reached the office, that's fine. Find out who it is, press this red button to put him on hold, and hang up the receiver. Then what? <laughs> Yell out that I have a call and which line it's on. I'm right through that door. I never close it unless I'm with a client. I'll hear you and pick up. If I am with a client or out of the office, please take a message. I understand. I'm I'm grateful for this temporary work, Jim. Since Phil died, making ends meet has been pretty tough. You're welcome. You're doing me a big favor. Mom's going to be gone for a few weeks. I can't leave the phone unattended. I can't believe she got your dad to agree to take that cruise. How did she do it? She bugged him a lot. Really? Oh yeah, my parents love each other like crazy, but Dad has told me several times that Mom could be the captain of the Olympic nagging team when she has a mind set on something. Here you go, baptism by fire. Oh boy. Nolan Investigations, may I help you? Perfect. Yes, he's in. Hold on just a moment, please. Very good. Very professional. You have a call on line one. Amelia Buckwald. Never heard of her. She must be new. I'll take it in my office. I'm in need of a private detective and you come highly recommended. That's nice to hear. What do you need me to do for you? I need you to prove that my stepmother murdered my father. 
Ask any police officer, and he or she will tell you that the calls officers hate answering most are those involving domestic disturbances. Jim Nolan is about to get involved in a bitter disturbance that will pit members of a family against each other and reveal secrets that were not meant to be known, even from the blackness of the grave. Misfits Audio's latest Jim Nolan Private Eye Mystery is entitled The Death of Anderson Buckwald. After dropping that bombshell over the telephone, Amelia Buckwald informed me that she was close by and would have her chauffeur drop her off at my office on Devachai Street. Amelia Buckwald looked to be in her early 30s, curly blonde hair cascaded down her back, swaying with her every movement. She wore a very form-fitting red dress that I'm sure cost more than my entire wardrobe. Her first stole was draped around her shoulders, and her diamond necklace glinted in the officer's overhead lights. Amelia Buckwald had money, and she wanted everyone to know it. Can we get right to business, Mr. Nolan? Gregory is waiting for me. Gregory? My chauffeur. Of course. Please, read this. My visitor handed me an article cut from the Willisport News of two days ago. House fire kills wealthy retired businessman, the headline read. The story told of how a fire had somehow begun in the home of 67-year-old Anderson Buckwald in the early morning. Mr. Buckwald was later found dead in his bedroom. His wife, Virginia, escaped the blaze. After being treated for smoke inhalation at a nearby hospital, she was released. The authorities were investigating the cause of the fire, to determine if it was of suspicious origin. I take it Mr. Buckwald was your father? He was. My condolences. Thank you. Virginia is my stepmother. You don't sound happy about that. I'm not. When my real mother died last year, I never thought my father would find anyone again. Let alone remarry. He's a lucky man to have found love twice. Lucky? Luck cannot possibly enter into the life of anyone who has the misfortune to know Virginia. I'm sorry, but I have never been able to hide my disdain for anyone I do not respect. And you don't respect your stepmother? Goodness, no. Your father must have. He married her. Her own husband died a few years ago. When mother passed on... Virginia was rather helpful. I'll give her that. She'd been through the loss of a spouse, and her counsel may have comforted father during that most trying time. Through their common heartbreak, they became friends. And then more. They fell in love. Yes. One day, perhaps uh, five months after mother's death, Father called me into his study in our Willisport home.
Amelia, I wanted you to be the first to know. Last evening, I proposed to Virginia, and she accepted. You did what? We planned to marry in May. How could you? I thought you'd be happy for me. Happy? Mother is dead. Less than a year? And here you take up with that, that gold digger. Watch your mouth, Amelia Buckwald. She's not right for you. She makes me happy. At my age, I can ask for a little more. Mother made you happy. True, and so does Virginia. You think she's only after my money? I do. You're wrong, my dear. You could not be more wrong. You think Virginia started the fire? Perhaps. She had the most to gain from father's death. His will? Precisely. From what you've told me, it sounds like your father would have given her anything she wanted. Why would she kill him? That's what I want you to find out. This article says your father was found dead in his bedroom. Is there an estimate yet of exactly when the fire began? No. Only that it was early in the morning. Wouldn't Virginia have been with him when the fire began? I'm assuming that she ran to save her own life, leaving father to die. We can't be sure of that. Have you spoken to your stepmother? No one has since the fire, except for the authorities, of course. Can you come to Willisport, Mr. Nolan? Definitely. Good. There's an inn not far from what's left of the house. I'll get you a suite there. Before I begin my investigation, you should know one thing about the way I operate. What is that? I don't start a case with an assumption of guilt. My investigation may prove you right. Virginia may be guilty of murder. But... It's equally possible that she's not. I'll do my level best to unearth the facts in the case, but they may not be the facts you're hoping for. I see. Is there still room at that inn? Amelia Buckold agreed to hire me, even though I couldn't promise to send a stepmother away for life. She gave me directions to the inn, saying that she would be in touch. Then with great aplomb, she left. Helen and I watched from my office window as she got into a long black limousine, easily the biggest one I've ever seen, and was driven away. Helen headed home around 4 o'clock. I had a few things to pick up before I left for Willisport in the morning. The sky had turned dark, and some light rain was falling by the time I got back to my apartment complex. It was so dark that I almost didn't notice the man in a long black raincoat who slowly stepped out from behind a tree as I approached the front stairs. Jim Nolan? Who wants to know? Are you him? I might be. I'm not in the habit of sharing personal information with strangers. It's not good for the life expectancy. My name is Glenn. Uh, Buckwald. My sister Amelia paid you a visit today. Did she? Let me throw out a wild guess here. She wants you to prove that Virginia is a murderer, right? Is that what you want? No, what I want is quite the opposite. I want you to prove she didn't kill father. I'm sorry, Mr. Nolan, but your room isn't ready yet. 
No problem. I'm early. I didn't expect it would be. I should be able to have it ready for you in about 45 minutes or so. That's fine. Can I leave my bag here? Of course. Can you tell me where I can find the chief of police? We don't have one of those. We have a sheriff. Sheriff Finnegan. Where can I find him? What time is it? He's probably across the street at Jill's. Jill's? It's a diner. They have some really good breakfast specials if you're hungry. Oh, sorry. (laughs) You caught me with my mouth full. I apologize for interrupting your breakfast. Uh, Not at all. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Nolan. You too, Sheriff. The name's Finnegan. Roscoe Finnegan. Call me Roscoe. Only if you call me Jim. (laughs) It's a deal. Can I uh, get you something to eat? My treat. Maybe some coffee, thanks. Sure thing. Judy, some coffee for my friend here, please. Coming up. So, Jim, how can I help you? Amelia told me she hired you. Did she? Yeah. I I don't mind telling you this whole affair has really got this town in an uproar. I'm not surprised. Here's your coffee. Thank you. You're welcome. Enjoy. There hasn't been anything in Willisport that's even come close to attracting the attention the Buckwald case has since the police strike back in 66. What's the uh, latest on the investigation? Everything's pointing to the guilt of Virginia Buckwald. How so? I'm afraid I can't tell you. That's privileged police information. Of course. I assure you that lady won't get away with this. If she's guilty. I run a tight law and order town here. It won't be long before Virginia is charged with murder. You seem pretty sure that charge will stick. I am. I don't arrest people lightly. Justice will be done. Uh, You'll have to excuse me. I I, I need to get a move on. Thanks for the coffee. You're welcome. Are you uh, staying in town long? As long as it's necessary to get to the truth. Then I'll probably run into you again. You probably will. After all, we're both working toward the same goal. Justice. Excuse me. Yes? Do you remember me? I brought you the coffee. Of course. You're Judy. I... I didn't mean to eavesdrop on the conversation you had with Roscoe. I couldn't help but hear some of it, though. That's not a problem. You're a private detective? That's right. Who's your client? I'm sorry, but I can't tell you that. It's Amelia, isn't it? Damn! Is something wrong? Well... Why don't you come with me for a minute, away from the front door of the diner? I'm a good friend of Virginia. The poor girl already has a deck stacked against her, and now you come here from Boston to send her away. Hold on a minute. I'm looking for the facts. I'm not supposing that Virginia's guilty. You're not? Of course not. Oh, that's a relief. Virginia would never hurt a fly. She didn't kill Anderson. I know it. What kind of relationship do they have? They came to the diner about once a week. Anderson was a bear of a man. (laughs) He and Virginia were always holding hands, looking deeply into each other's eyes and trying to secretly smooch in their booth. It was nice to see. Not that I tried to see it, of course. 
The Buckwolds have a lot of influence in this town, don't they? You can say that again. Anderson was a nice guy, always smiling and happy, but his kids, well, that's another story. I met Glenn. He thinks Virginia's innocent. Did he tell you that? Just last night. I wouldn't trust either of those kids as far as I could throw them. They're both jockeying for the lion's share of their father's money. Could you get me in to see Virginia? I can try, but I'm not sure she'll agree. I'd wager she's feeling pretty lonely right around now. From what I hear at the diner, most of this town is ready to slap the cuffs on her. Please try. Sure. Oh, one more thing. Yeah? Be very careful in your dealings with Roscoe. Why is that? He's a good friend of Amelia. A very good friend. The scuttlebutt around town is that she bankrolled his last campaign and owns him. Lock, stock, and barrel. Thanks for the warning. If Amelia wants Virginia in jail, you can be certain Roscoe will jump at the chance to please her. Something doesn't make sense. What? If Roscoe will do whatever Amelia wants, why am I here? For show, maybe. Roscoe can't have the townspeople thinking that he's the puppet of a spoiled little rich girl. <laughs> with you here, he can brag about how a big-time Boston private eye agreed with his findings. What if I don't agree? Like I said, be very careful. You're probably the last hope Virginia has. I walked back to the inn and found that I had a message waiting for me from Amelia. She asked me to meet her and Willisport's fire chief, Paul Templeton, at the remains of the Buckwald home at 1 o'clock p.m. Since my room was now ready, I checked in, cleaned up, and went to keep my appointment. Amelia introduced me to the chief, who led me around the perimeter of the burnt-out home which had largely been roped off with yellow police tape. The devastation was sad to see. There wasn't much left that was recognizable, but what I could make out told the story of a life now gone and one that might soon be ruined. A leather wingback chair scorched from the flames, a fallen stack of photo albums that looked like they would crumble if touched, and some shattered, no doubt prized, crystal figurines lying amid the charred remains of a toppled, wooden display case. Do you have any idea how the fire started, Chief? We've only had the time to do a preliminary investigation, but it looks like it was an electrical fire. Faulty wiring? Possibly. Either that or some overloaded outlets. Maybe both. So it's your opinion the fire was accidental? Quite possible. Let's not jump to conclusions based on a preliminary examination. Ms. Buckwald, I doubt very much that the preliminary findings will be overturned by a more thorough examination. Isn't it possible that the wiring could have been fiddled with? Or that the outlet may have been deliberately overtaxed? I'd be very surprised if either of those things was true.
Leaving the two of them to their discussion, I began walking around the lot, trying to imagine what the house had looked like before the tragedy that left Anderson Buckwald dead. I'm not sure what I tripped over, but soon I was on my knees on top of some fire-scorched wood. As I slipped, I dislodged some of the debris, which crumbled and fell outside the yellow police tape. The afternoon sun glinted off something that had been hidden in the now open space. I grabbed it. It was a heart-shaped locket hanging from a long gold chain. It was slightly scorched and its clasp had broken off. It fell open in my hand. On the inside of the heart was engraved to VB of always AB. I hurriedly hid the locket in my clutched right hand when I heard Amelia and the chief approaching. Are you all right, Mr. Nolan? (laughs) Yeah, just clumsy. I must have tripped on a rock or something. Your trousers are covered with soot. So they are. I have another pair back at the inn. I think I'll head back there and change. You're sure you're not injured? I'm fine, thanks. Chief, when your investigation's complete, can you let me know your official finding in the course of the fire? Sure thing. What happened to you? I took a little spill at the Buckwald place. Be careful. Have you had a chance to phone Virginia yet? No, this joint's been hopping since you left. I found something of hers that I'm sure she'd like returned. I'll get a break in about five minutes. I'll call and tell her you're coming over and why. Thanks. Where is she staying now? She has a condo at the Parkview Complex on Stone Street. Yes? Mrs. Buckwald? You must be the man Judy phoned me about. My name's Jim Nolan. I'm here to learn the truth about what happened the other night. I'd rather not talk about it. But, uh, Mrs... Can't I be allowed my grief? Uh, Of course. I'm sorry. Can you say that again, please? I I said I was sorry. Thank you. (sighs) Hardly anyone in this town has said those words to me since Anderson passed on. I was over at the remains of the house. I found something that I think you'll want. What? This. Oh, oh my. I I never thought I would see this again. What a wonderful man I've lost. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart. You're welcome. What's going on? It looks like you've got company. Virginia. I would appreciate it if you didn't call me by my given name, young man. My apologies, Mrs. Buckwald. That's better. Will you kindly grab your coat and come with me? Why should she do that? Ma'am, I'm placing you under arrest for the murder of your husband. You have to be kidding. I adored him. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a
five minutes, Mr. Nolan. I didn't expect to see you again. I need your help. From a prison cell? I have to know what happened on the night of the fire. I can't help you without that information. I... I can't. I don't think you understand the spot you're in. Your stepdaughter gave a lot of money to Roscoe Finnegan during his last campaign. I think you've been placed under arrest because that's what Amelia wants. She doesn't have that kind of influence in this town. Her money does. Mr. Draper will straighten all of this out in the morning. Who's Draper? My attorney. He'll be at my hearing before Judge Whitburn tomorrow. Are you sure he has your best interest in mind? What are you implying? Amelia already has the sheriff in her pocket. She may own other town officials as well. If so, a guilty verdict is practically guaranteed. Mr. Nolan, I'm not sure if I should give any credence to what you're telling me. Amelia and I have never been on the best of terms, but I can She can't... wants me to prove your guilt. Is that proof enough? I always did my best to stay out of her affairs. Anderson thought that would be wise. How I could use his counsel now? I'm sure he wouldn't want you to go to prison for a crime you didn't commit. You believe I'm innocent? I believe there's a big, reasonable doubt. I need to erase that doubt, but I can't without the information you won't tell me. Or I wouldn't do this. You swore to Anderson? Yes. I wanted to keep his secret, even in death. Let me help you. Please. You need to go see Father Mallory at St. Benjamin's Church. Why? Anderson left a letter with him for safekeeping a few months ago. What does the letter say? I don't know. It was the one secret he kept from me during our marriage. He always told me that if worse came to worse, to go see Father Mallory... I expect the letter will begin to explain things. Maybe then I can reveal the rest. Anderson, forgive me. I'm sorry about the late hour, Father. Oh, not to worry. Anything for Virginia. You know the letter she's talking about then? Yes, uh, I, I have it right here on my desk. May I open it? Certainly. Anderson wrote it a few months ago at his very desk. He asked me to hold on to it in case it was ever needed. I think this is exactly what Virginia needs. I'll see you at the hearing in the morning. Father Mallory and I ran into each other in the corridor and walked to Judge Whitman's chambers together. The judge, a rotund man with a pudgy face and bulging blue eyes, sat behind his desk. Beside him was Virginia. On the other side of the desk, Sheriff Finnegan was stretched out on a chair beside his benefactor, Amelia. Even Glenn Buckhold was present. The thin man with the white hair and Ben Franklin glasses, I was to learn, was Virginia's attorney, Paul Draper. After everyone was introduced, Judge Whitburn began speaking. Sheriff, you claim to have enough evidence against Mrs. Buckwald here to warrant a murder trial? I do, Your Honor. 
The state will prove her guilty of wantonly killing her husband. Mr. Draper, what do you have to say for your client? Your Honor, Mrs. Buckwald has asked to speak for herself at this time. You may proceed. Thank you. You've all been introduced to Jim Nolan. Mr. Nolan is a private investigator from Boston who is here in the employ of my stepdaughter. We know who he is. Father, did you bring the letter? Mr. Nolan has it. Yeah, what letter is this? This one, sir. Anderson Buckwald wrote it a few months ago and entrusted it to Father Mallory. I see. May Mr. Nolan read the letter aloud? Your Honor, I cannot condone this. How do we know this letter is truly from my father? I witnessed him write it. Is the word of a humble priest good enough for you? Mr. Nolan, would you please do us the honor? My friends, I write this with a heavy heart. I can foresee the trouble my daughter will soon cause my wife. Sadly, Amelia is a greedy young woman, and I must bear some of the responsibility for raising her in a privileged household. Father, how could you? Quiet, Amelia. Not long ago, my physical feel revealed what I had feared. I am dying. There's nothing that can be done. Dr. Hogan estimates that I have six months to live. The pills he's given me are taking the edge off of the pain, but soon their potency will diminish and the pain will win out. I'll waste away to a skeleton of a man. I do not wish to become a burden to anyone. I asked Virginia to help me end my life before that moment arrives. My request brought her to tears. I cannot bring myself to take the coward's way out and end it all. Every night I pray for something to happen where I can lie still and let death come. If such an incident ever, ever takes, place, takes place, Virginia is to be held blameless. Forgive me, my love. I, I am a vain man, and I cannot bear the thought of withering away before your eyes. I beg you to remember me fondly if my prayer is answered. Love always, Anderson. May I see that, please? Certainly. What a dear, sweet man. He was so afraid of being remembered as a coward for wanting to kill himself. He asked me to keep his secret unless it became absolutely necessary to reveal, as it is now. Wanting to end one's life because of a painful illness isn't cowardly. Anderson thought it was. He even got me to believe it. Judge Whitburn, I submit that the late Mr. Buckwald's letter, while certainly a tearjerker, does not prove his wife's innocence. Really? Go on. Anderson Buckwald could not possibly have known while writing that letter that he was giving his wife an alibi for murder by his own insistence on her innocence. I never saw that letter before today. I didn't know what was in it. So you say. Anderson wrote that letter at Midesk. It has never been out of me possession. I kept it in a locked drawer. I can assure you that Virginia is telling the truth. Your Honor, I... Enough! I will not allow you to question Anderson's wish. We're hardly... Do you want to know what happened on the night of the fire? Do you? 
Anderson, wake up. Virginia? We've got to get out of here. There's a fire in the house. <coughs> Perfect. What? Go. Leave me here. <coughs> I, I can't. It's what I want. <coughs> this fire will do the job that neither of us can do. I, I can't leave you. I love you. <coughs> and I love you. But this is what I need. Go now. Go. He pushed me off the bed and screamed for me to go quickly while I still could. In a daze, I ran to the bedroom door, but I, I, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't. I turned to Anderson just as some flames roared into the bedroom and singed the wall above his head. He turned calmly to face me and muttered one word. Please. <laughs> I don't remember much more. The next thing I knew, I was at Mercy Hospital being treated for smoke inhalation. Hello? Oh, hello, Mark. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but this really isn't a good... What? Yeah, we'll be right down. What is it, Your Honor? That was Mark Houseman, the coroner. Some new evidence has come to light. What? It needs to be seen. Um, Sheriff, Mr. Nolan, Mr. Draper, Father, uh, could you please come with me? I'm coming too. Mrs. Buckwald, this new evidence may prove disturbing. Disturbing? More disturbing than most of this town thinking I killed my own husband. More disturbing than my stepdaughter wanting to send me to prison for life so she can contest her father's will. How dare you! Oh, get over it, Amelia. Anderson was on to you. You heard it in his letter. I'm coming with you. Well, all right. Bring the letter. The coroner's office was one flight down. Mr. Houseman met us outside the door and warned us that what we were about to see was graphic. We all entered slowly. The charred remains of Anderson Buckwald lay on a metal examining table in the center of the room. <gasps> Houseman led us to the body. He grabbed Anderson's singed left hand and turned it palm upward. In handwriting that matched that on the letter, we read the words, Virginia is innocent. During the fire, Anderson Buckwald had taken the time to clear his wife of any murder charges. He noted her innocence on something he hoped would escape the heat of the flames. His own body. And to think that you wanted to send Virginia to prison for the rest of her life. Amelia, how could you? You're no better, Glenn. I'm sorry? You wanted me to be found innocent in the hope that I would turn on Amelia and reward you with your father's fortune. Very clever. That's not true. Virginia, I was terribly wrong about you. I'm sorry. Can you ever forgive me? No. <gasps> what? Mr. Draper, when will Anderson's will be read? 
At your earliest convenience. Why? I want to donate all that I can to charity. I wish nothing more than is necessary to live modestly for my remaining years. Good for you. What? You can't do that. As the duly appointed executrix of your father's will, Virginia can do whatever she wants with the money she is to inherit. But what about us? You'll get whatever your father left you, and that's all. I would suggest you use it carefully. When it's gone, the well will have run dry. There will be no sense in asking me for more because I won't have any. The charity will. I'm telling you, Helen, seeing a family as dysfunctional as that makes you happy for the family you have, no matter how crazy they are. I would think so. Did anything exciting happen while I was gone? Oh, not really. You did get a call from Lieutenant Carmichael. What did he have to say? He didn't leave a message. He asked if you could call him back. Oh, and this postcard arrived from your parents. Let's see here. Jim, we're having a wonderful cruise. This is the vacation of a lifetime. See you in a few weeks. Love, Mom. Is that your father's writing under hers? It is. Why does he write so small? So Mom can't read it without her glasses. I've never seen her in glasses. She doesn't wear them as much as she should. She's kind of vain about it. <laughs> what did Albert write? This is the worst time of my life. I will never let Gladys talk me into taking a vacation again. Love, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Starring our regular cast, Russell Gold as Jim Nolan, and Katie Daynert as the narrator. Guest starring in this episode were Kim Giannopoulos as Helen Bagley, Heather Farrar as Amelia Buckwald, Sky McDougall as Anderson Buckwald, Matt Weller as Glenn Buckwald, Trevor Gensch as the Inn Clerk, Sky McDougall as Sheriff Roscoe Finnegan. Wendy Tremont King as Judy, Scott Fortney as Chief Templeton, Natalie Stanfield Thomas as Virginia Buckwald, Glenn Higby as the guard, Glenn Haskell as Father Mallory, Patrick Lewis as Judge Whitburn, and Daniel Wise as Mr. Draper. Jim Nolan Private Eye was created by Mike Murphy and Arlene Osborne. The Death of Anderson Buckwald was written by Mike Murphy. The Jim Nolan Private Eye theme was composed and performed by Vivian Dosko. Please hear more of her wonderful music at myspace.com slash Vivian Dosko. That's V-I-V-I-A-N-D-O-S-K-O-W. Producer, Captain John Tadrzak. Assistant producer, Mike Murphy. Mixer, John Specht. Script editor, Arlene Osborne. Webmaster, April Sadowski. Art director, Alexa Chipman. We would also like to thank Captain John Tadrzak of Misfits Audio for airing this show. Mike Murphy, the author of this story, gratefully acknowledges the continued help of Arlene Osborne in the betterment of his scripts. All the characters portrayed in this story are fictitious. Any resemblance to real persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. This production is for enjoyment purposes only. I'm your narrator, Katie Daynert. This is an original production by Misfits Audio, copyright 2012.